Would you stand with me, please? We are in the book of Acts, and we are up to Acts chapter 4. We're going to read 8 through 13 and then 29 through 31. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There's no salva- there's salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could hear, they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And then down to 429. This is the, the, after they get rebuked by the Sanhedrin or the Jewish leadership, they go back to their own people and we get what God, what heaven heard in the early church prayer meeting. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us your servant, give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this, prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. And then Ephesians 6, this is Paul, and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this word today. This is a right now word. Lord, I'm believing for more than teaching. I'm believing for impartation, that, that our lives will be different because of our response, and your response to our response today. Have your way, God. I ask, we ask, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. The title of the message is A Dangerous Prayer. The Prayer for Boldness. Point one is defining Boldness. Boldness in the New Testament is divinely inspired courage to speak or do what God desires. I'm going to say it one more time. Boldness, New Testament boldness, is divinely inspired courage to say and do the thing that God desires to be done. It looks, 
and smells different than something that I'm calling spiritual arrogance. Arrogance puts man in the middle and uh, this divine boldness puts, puts God in the middle, but spiritual arrogance smells even worse than regular arrogance because everybody expects people in the world to have a little chip of pride and to be a little self-centered. And, but when it's about God and you're the one in the middle, it's, it, it's just, it just doesn't smell quite right. So we, we see this in the old Peter. Peter, we're at the, we're at the last supper and um, Jesus says that I, I'm gonna, the shepherd is going to be struck and all of you are going to disperse. You're all going to leave me. And Peter brings a correction. And he says, never, Lord. Well, the beginning of spiritual arrogance is you talking back to God. <laughs> you saying... I think you missed it this time, God. That, that's arrogant. Anyway. Um, and then here's the other the thing about spiritual arrogance. He says, he says, maybe all of them will, but I will die for you. Mm. Spiritual arrogance, always, it's always in a competition, trying to be better, more spiritual, more. It has a very high opinion of itself. Um, but it's very, hard to, it's very hard to discern it yourself. We're, we're blind to pride. Pride blinds us. I'm going to give you two sentences. You figure out the difference in these two sentences. I am going to do amazing things for Jesus. Here's the second sentence. I'm going to do amazing things for Jesus. Same sentence. But the first one, it's all about me and what I'm going to do for God and what I'm going to accomplish and what God's going to do through me. And the second one, it's all about Jesus being seen and Jesus being revealed. So the first time I I found out about this, this spiritual arrogance, we were... We were in revival in this church. This is the early 80s, and we had a college and career group that was very on fire. And um, I didn't even know there was such a thing as spiritual arrogance. That's how blind I was to it. Anyway, um, we, one of my buddies, his name was Rob, and um, he was a little farther along. He, had, he, had, he was saved in Rockford, Illinois at First Assembly, and, and his pastor college and career pastor at that time was, was Dale Crawl, And then he had, he had moved to Madison. He was going to school in Madison. And Dale Crawl, great man of God, he preached last year at Roger, Roger Olson's funeral right in, in this building. But so uh, Rob was very into discipleship and, 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 and trying to encourage us. And, and he told us this story of uh, that him and, him and some, some buddies they had gotten saved, they were on fire for Jesus, and they went to the, I don't know if it was the state fair or the county fair in Illinois, and there was a tent where somebody was telling fortunes. It was kind of like the spiritualist, it was the, kind of like the new age thing, and, and so him and his buddies on fire for Jesus go in to the tent 
They confront this woman. They tell her that she needs to repent, that this isn't of God, this is of the devil, and that she needs Jesus. And so they get kicked out of the tent. And, 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 and so they, they, they get kicked out of the tent, but they're rejoicing because they're being persecuted, just like Peter and John were. And they're going to go tell the story to Dale. And, 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 and so they come to Dale, and, and they, they tell what happened. And they really, they are expecting him to say, you guys are awesome, and just kind of pat them on the back. And he just looks at them with disgust. And here's what he says. You guys reek of pride. You guys, you guys, it's a stench. And Rob said, I was just, I was just cut to my heart. That I was doing something for God, but in the wrong spirit. So Rob's just innocently telling me this story. Rob walks away. And I realize I had been cheering the whole story. I was all for them confronting, and I was like, yeah, I would. And I'm like, okay, so that means that I have the same pride that they had. Doesn't smell good. When you're filled with your own name, your own church, your own religion, your own, and, and it just, it just feels, it's just all filled with you. <laughs> now, true boldness is just the opposite. So here these guys come, and, uh, and they, they are facing, literally facing the same people that crucified Jesus. This is the Sanhedrin. It's the same Sanhedrin. Caiaphas is there. Anna. Annas is there. This is the same group. And, and it, I mean, he's at risk of his life. He says, he, he's filled with the Spirit, and he starts speaking about you guys crucified him, and this is why this guy is healed. And here's what it says about their reaction to it. It says they were amazed one translation says they were astonished at the boldness of Peter and John because they were uneducated men that had no training. But they, re they remembered, they recognized this, that they had been with Jesus. They're like, oh, oh, that's, that's, they smelled Jesus on Peter and John. So 2 Second Corinthians 2.14 says this, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. Oftentimes, people take this, they lift this guy out of context and say Jesus causes us to triumph in everything. Jesus is, Jesus is all about victory, and Jesus and I are always going to win. And, and I'm all for, I mean, I'm Mr. Competitive. I'm all for winning. <laughs> and certainly God helps us with everything. But just so you understand, the context of Christ's triumph, it's not what you think it is, <laughs> unless you already know the, the, the context of this. So, uh, uh, the whole aroma procession thing, it was when a Roman general 
defeated an opposing army. That defeated army would be chained and they would have incense and the general would lead this parade called a triumph and everyone, the smell of this victory would come from those that were now captives. So everybody, the glory was about the general. It wasn't about the, the captives. They're, they're captives. But the aroma was celebrating this general. And so here's what Paul's saying. Is Jesus has captured us. Jesus, by his love, by his goodness, by his grace, so that we, we've become willing prisoners of the gospel. And now our life has got this aroma that tells people about the general that has conquered us. It says that that is the aroma of life in this world, that we are not just Bible information people. We're carrying the very aroma of Christ that we're supposed to. So the question is, is how do you smell? So that's point one. Here's point two. Boldness is necessary to advance the kingdom of God. Joshua recognized it. We just got done doing a series on the book of Joshua called Entering the Land. And God came to Joshua and spoke audibly and in nine verses said three things. He said the same thing three times. Only be strong. Only be courageous. Don't be discouraged. Don't give in to fear. Only be courageous. Only be strong. I am with you. I am sending you. I've gone before you. Be strong. Be courageous. And the, the, the point was this you're going to have to be courageous to go into the land. You're, you're going to have to rise up and you're going to have to be bold. This is not just going to happen. The last group did not go into the fullness. They didn't go into the fullness and the reason why is a lack of courage. They were not bold. They didn't go in. And so they missed out. The idea that we're just going to passively sit back and whatever God wants to do, he's going to do, is unbiblical. And the problem, of course, right now in America, the, the church has been losing ground. The, the church, the best of churches oftentimes are only holding ground. It, we're, not, we're not going to advance with that. Somebody's going to have to be bold. Somebody is going to have to exercise courage to go into the fullness. And it's not just like the church as a whole. It's you individually. You're going to have to be bold to get the fullness of God in your life. You're going to have to take steps. You are going to have to agree with God. Joshua recognized it. The early church recognized it. Peter and John, filled with the Holy Spirit, boldly did this, got kicked out of the Sanhedrin, were warned never to preach in his name again, and they come back to the church and they tell the story. They tell the story about the crippled guy, they tell the story about the face-off with the Sanhedrin, and the church says, and we don't know how the prayer meeting ran, we just, we just actually get the prayer that they prayed. We don't know who was in charge of it or how it worked, but the church, after they came back, they went to praying. Because how many know that just because you were bold in your past does not mean you're going to be bold today or tomorrow? That, we, that, that every day, it, it, all you got is today. You, you got to take steps today. And so they pray, and, and we get their prayer. 
And the prayer is this. Give us boldness. Give us boldness. We want the kingdom of God to be advanced. Give us boldness again today. And the Bible says God's response is the building shook. They were all filled with the Spirit and they began, they all began speaking the word of God with boldness. The kingdom is going forward in boldness. Uh, here, here's, here's Paul. Paul isn't at that prayer meeting. Paul isn't even saved yet. Paul doesn't get saved for five more chapters. But after Paul gets saved, after he gets set into ministry, we have in Ephesians 6 here his desire to be prayed for. And he says this. He says it twice. Pray for me. And, and isn't it funny? I mean, he's, he's, he's been through all these horrible situations. He's been in prison. He's been stoned. He's been shipwrecked. Wouldn't you think that Paul's prayer would be, pray that I'll be safe? Pray that we have a nice time? Pray, pray, pray. And I'm not making fun of prayers for safety because we should pray for safety and, and that's absolutely legitimate. Whatever you're worried about, pray about. God cares about whatever you're worried about. But I just want you to look at what Paul prays. Isn't it interesting that he doesn't pray for his knee that's been hurting him since the stoning? Pray, pray. I'm having trouble with my knee. I'm having trouble... Um, with this or that or uh, and once again there's no we, we pray for healing all the time it's absolutely scriptural to pray for healing but I just want I just want you to see what he's praying about and what he's asking others to pray for it's because it's only one thing he only asks for one thing pray that I'll be bold just because I was bold yesterday doesn't mean I'll be bold tomorrow I'm in prison now. he's in prison for preaching and he's praying the reason why he's in prison is because he was bold. And he's praying while in prison, pray that I'll be bold. Pray that I'll be bold. This is how the kingdom of God goes forward. It is a dangerous prayer. I'm encouraging you. I'm encouraging us to pray this prayer more. And I will join Paul. Pray for me that I will be bold as I ought to be bold, as, as, as the leader in this house. Pray that I'll be bold. Last point. Isn't this moving along fast? The last point is where does boldness come from? And I want you to notice, in case you don't notice, that I have made an alliteration here. Every one of these is going to start with the letter B. That's for you. Where does boldness come from? Number one, the blood of Jesus. Revelation 12, 10 and 11. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. We've only been on the earth between one and a hundred years in this room. Satan has been here for, we don't know how long, but we know that he's been attacking the church specifically for 2,000 years. So he's really good at what he does. Here's his main strategy. He accuses the children of God 
specifically as they try to come before the throne of God. He, he accuses us. Why is that? Well, Proverbs 28.1 says this, the wicked flee when no one's pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. So when we feel accused, when we feel dirty, when we feel uh, not like we're not righteous, we uh, are going to give in to fear. We're going to give in to self-protection. We're going to retreat. We're going we're gonna to even retreat when it's a fear that isn't even really... The Bible says he goes about as a roaring lion seeking to, to devour us. He, he speaks very loud, and what does he use? He uses our sins. He uses our failures. He uses accusation against us to, to paralyze us. There, there would be very little power in those accusations if there wasn't truth in those accusations. And so... To understand righteousness, you have to understand the power of the blood of Jesus. The usual response to accusation, and it's very subtle, the devil doesn't show up in a red suit with a pitchfork, does he? No, it's usually just, it's your own thoughts, it's your own you, you, you just, it was a thought in your head. It's very well disguised and it just feels like it's just you and it's just about your failure, your whatever else. And, and so it's just easy to go down that road and it takes away courage. And so here's what people usually do. Um, well, well-meaning people to get rid of that voice. Try harder. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help more little old ladies across the street. I'm going to give more. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna. to... And the more you try to do to get rid of that accusing voice, the worse the voice gets. It actually works against you. No matter how much you do, it doesn't change the power of that accusation. So let's think about Peter for a moment. Peter failed worse than everybody else. Everybody, Jesus turns to Peter, and Peter, he, he, can, he must be just shaking his head when Peter says, they might all leave you, but I will die for you. And Jesus is like, oh, bro, you're way over your head here. You are, you are way, way over your head. In fact, you're going to deny me three times before tomorrow morning. I mean, this is... Peter, you have no idea how bad this is going to be. But Peter's identity is not in his failure, but it's in God's forgiveness. The enemy will always try to identify you with your failure and with your sin and with your shame and with whatever. It robs you. It robs you of boldness. So here's how you triumph over it. And this is, it's, it's fail-proof. By the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of your testimony about the blood. 
See, it's not enough that Jesus died for you. You need to make it yours. You need to claim it yourself. You need to take, that blood was for me. It was for my sin. It was for my shame. It was for my failure. Paul Paul says, the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. We've got to agree that the blood is for us. Why does that take the power out of accusation? Well, here it is okay, this, 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 you did this. And it's funny because it can be something you did yesterday or something you did 10 years ago. It's the, the point of the accusation is just to take away your confidence, take away your boldness. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did do that. Yeah, I guess I am like that. Yeah, I have a bad attitude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead and agree. And then you just add to it. But I'm loved by God and Jesus died for me. And I'm forgiven. And that's my identity. I'm forgiven. There's nowhere for the enemy to go with that. Then go ahead and read your Bible and do whatever else you want to do. But we don't become righteous by doing. We become righteous by what God did for us. This is 2 Corinthians 5.21. He who knew no sin became sin that, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So this is God's express desire, his express will, his express purpose for you, that he make you righteous. It is not arrogance to say, I'm righteous. It is actually humble confidence, just like Joe was talking about. It's, this is what God wanted to make me, so this is what I am. I'm righteous. What about, what about you forgot to read yesterday morning? I'm righteous. Jesus made me righteous. This is what God wants. Clothe yourself with his righteousness every single day. The righteous are as bold as lions. The righteous are unafraid. They'll go wherever God wants them to go without even thinking about it. They'll say whatever God wants them to say because they have been made the righteousness of God in him. And they've got that standing. They come, when they come before the throne of God, It says this in Hebrews 4.16. Therefore, 14 and 15 is Jesus is our high priest. He gave a perfect sacrifice, his own blood. Therefore, come with boldness before the throne of God. When you come before the throne of God, you come boldly. That honors God. That honors the blood. That honors his work on your behalf. You don't have to cower when you come before the throne of God. In fact, the throne of God, Paul calls it, or Hebrews, whoever you think wrote Hebrews, he calls it the throne of grace. It is, when we think of a throne, we think of judgment. It's a throne of grace because of the blood of Jesus. You come with boldness in your time of need to get mercy and grace. You can pray for protection. You can pray for healing. And, but please pray for boldness so that the kingdom of God can go forward. The blood of Jesus. Secondly, The second B for boldness. Where does boldness come from? Being filled with the Holy Spirit. This could not be more connected. Verse 8 says this. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's speaking to these Jewish leaders. He's speaking to power, but it's not out of an arrogant spirit. It's filled with the Holy Spirit. He is speaking what God has told him to say. In verse 31, it says that God shook the building, and then it says this. They were all filled 
with the Holy Spirit and began speaking the word of God with boldness. This is where boldness comes from the Holy Spirit filling us until we speak or do. So 2013, in April and May, Alice and I were given a sabbatical by our, our, our elders. And we, on the very last week, we, were, we went to Kansas City to IHOP at the beginning, and we did a few vacation-type things. And then at the end, we went to Bethel in Redding, California. And uh, we had heard a lot about Redding, and Re- Redding is very... Very controversial on the internet. Everybody's got an opinion about Redding. And, but we loved Bill Johnson. We had listened to a lot of his sermons. And, and so we're like, we're going out there. We, we need something. If there's something wrong out there, that's between them and God. But we're just going to go out there and drink whatever God is doing out there. And so we were in this healing conference all week. And we were going to go to church there on Sunday. But on Saturday, they were having something called a treasure hunt. Hmm. I had heard of treasure hunts, and honestly, I thought they were a little weird. It's like a, a group gets together, and they pray to God, and then God gives them clues, and, and, and like they see somebody with a red cap on, or somebody's walking a dog, or they see a, a, whatever. They see a Kmart, or whatever. And, and then the group goes out, and they look for those clues that leads them to people. That, that, and, and then it's like a, this divine connection and, and we're going to minister to people that God has, has pointed us to. And I'm like, I'm just thinking, it just sounds a little weird to me. It just sounds, I mean, it seems like a little dangerous. A bunch of teenagers praying and God told us. I don't know. It's just, but this, it came from Bethel. I'm like, we're going to go to this. This is, this is the source. Let's find out what happens on a treasure hunt. So Alice and I go to it Saturday morning. It's, uh, there's maybe, maybe there's 20 people in the room, and the leader of it is like, she's a 22-year-old girl. She's leading the treasure hunt, and she is just so excited, and she's telling us about this thing, and she reads Ephesians 5.18. Here's what Ephesians 5.18 says. It says, do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but rather be filled with with the Holy Spirit. And then she said, there's, there's a similarity between wine and the new wine. When you drink wine, and especially when you've drunk too much wine, all of your inhibitions leave. And you do things and say things that you regret the next day. If it's really, if the problem is really bad, you don't, you people are telling you what you said and did, you don't even remember it. Like, ooh, that's bad. I did, ooh, ooh, yeah, that's really bad. And she said, here's how the new wine functions. You get filled with the Spirit, and you lose your inhibitions, and you say and do things that you're proud of the next day. That you look back and you say, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. I can't. Wow. And so she said this. She said, your each team, the, the key to this thing is you praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And then just go out, and here were, here were her words, have fun. Have fun? I never thought of evangelism and, and fun together. Evangelism was where you go pigeonhole somebody, trap them into a conversation, try to get them to accept Christ. That doesn't sound like fun. It was like, we need to do this because the heathen are going to hell, and we're going to do our duty to try to get them to be saved. And and she said, no, 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 don't do that. Just go out, get, get filled with the Holy Spirit, and then have fun with this. And so, so that's, that's exactly what we did. We, we, we prayed. We felt like we might have had some images, and we spent the day just going from meeting to meeting, and were those the meetings God was actually setting up, or did we just stumble on them? Who knows? Who can, it, but it didn't matter because we were just uninhibited. Be, guys, be serious about God and be serious about the gospel, but don't be so serious about yourself. Lighten up. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. And just whatever he wants to do, let him do it. So that's, that's B. That's being filled. Here's our third B. Believing the truth. Why are Peter and John so bold? Because they believe God's truth. And it's funny. I'm not talking about being right. Whenever it's all about you being right, that's usually arrogance, not boldness. Do you know that you can win an argument and lose a soul? Did you know that people don't care how much you know until they know that you care? They know how much you care. When I say believing the truth, I'm not talking about opinions that you might have about different issues or even about how God is. I'm talking about believing the truth. The truth is not a doctrine. The truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Everything hinges on Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone. This is how God, this is God's message to the human race. Redemption. The human race, it's not about our brokenness and sin, even though we are broken and sin. It's not about our darkness. It's not about what the devil's doing. It's about what God did through Jesus Christ. He came, he died, he rose again from the dead, and he gave this message. Now, go tell the whole world that I love them, that I died for them, Here's how, here's how amazing the blood of Jesus is. This is 2 Corinthians 5.18. It says that God is no longer holding the world's sins against them. So in God's perspective, the blood of Jesus is sin is not a problem anymore. I've, I've dealt with sin in my son. All they need to do is come to Christ. I can forgive them. I can redeem them. They can have my purpose now just coming to Christ. And, and so these guys are just filled with Jesus. They're, they're not given a big theology lesson. They're just filled with Jesus. This is, this is God's message to the human race. So we were in Seattle last weekend. We had a, we've got a couple there named Anthony and Lori Simmons, and they pastor this church called Hope Community Church. It's actually in Burien, which is right near Seattle. And 
I mean, they are kindred spirits. They are kindred spirits to this church. Their church is like our church. They're all about revival. They're all, they're just excited about Jesus. And so he, Anthony invited me to come out and, and, and so Alice and I were there. We were there for four days. He had us speak six times. All different groups, all different contexts and and he put us up in this hotel, and it's the same hotel we were in last year, and, and so people usually are expecting there to be some type of hot tub testimony. Um, I've, for whatever reason, I've had a number of experiences in hot tubs where God will just set up these divine appointments, and um, so, of course, I took my swimsuit out there, and I'm very excited about the hot tub, especially because it's like 50 degrees out there, well, it's 80 here, and... Uh, and I looked down, it's an outdoor pool, and right next to it, because I was in that hot tub all last year, every morning, is where the hot tub should be, but it's all filled in with white cement. It's the same square, but it's all cement. So there is no hot tub, which means there's no hot tub story, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but there's a coffee story. Here's what happened. So this is Monday. I go down to get coffee, and uh, there is a lady in her 30s somewhere, and she has got two massive coffees, and right in front of the coffee pot, she is doing this chemistry of the right amount of cream and the right amount of sugar, and it's all being measured, and, and of course, I'm patiently waiting and, and I said, I, so I just said, I said, boy, I said, it's a real process getting it just right, isn't it? And, and she says, yeah. She says, one is for me and one is, one is, for, my, one is for my friend. And she says, uh, she says, where are you from? I said, oh, I'm um, Madison, Wisconsin. She said, and you're on vacation? I said, well, actually, I'm, I'm a pastor, and I've been here speaking at a at a church this weekend. I said, how about you? And she says, I'm from Idaho. And, uh, and she said, I'm here visiting my friend who I thought might become my husband, but, and I think this is coming up because I just said I was a pastor. And, and she says, but, but I don't know anymore. I, 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 don't, I thought at one time, but then he fell into alcoholism, and, but now he's been dry for six months. He's in AA, and he's, he's, he's really on a journey, and I'm proud of him, but I'm not sure if we're supposed to, to be together. She said, the truth is, is I'm, in a, I'm on a spiritual journey of my own. How many know that's a buzzword for me? <laughs> spiritual. And I said, really? I said, uh, Tell me where Jesus fits on your spiritual journey. How, do, how does Jesus fit in? And she says, honestly, she says, I don't really know much about Jesus. And I said, if there was a map called spirituality, Jesus is the X where the treasure is. Everything is in Jesus. Jesus is where you need to dig. And, and we're, we're still in front. We're basically blocking people from coffee. And I'm like, 
I'm like, if you want to talk more about this, you want to just go over to this? She says, sure, I'll, I'll come over. And so she comes over. She texts her boyfriend that, or friend that she's, her, her name is Amber. She texts him, says, I'm going to be a little late. And so I sit down at the table. Alice is, is waiting for me. I said, honey, come on over. And so I introduce her to Alice, and I we get back to Jesus. I said, so here's the problem, Amber. God is way holier than we think he is. Way holier. And the other problem is we're way more sinful than we think we are. And so the, the answer was radical. God had to take on flesh. He, he came into history, and out of his great love for me and you, he died on the cross, and he took the punishment for our sins. And the idea that God loves me and therefore God forgives me is not right. God so loved, he could not forgive you arbitrarily without denying himself. God so loves you that he came, he took on flesh, and he died in your place and took the full punishment for your sin. So now God forgives when people come to Christ. This is how he forgives, because he justly forgives. Justice has been done. Sin has been punished. So God can forgive you when you come to Christ. And she said, can I read to you what somebody sent to me last night? I said, go ahead. So she goes through her phone. She says, listen to this. And she starts reading something. She does not know where it came from, but it came out of God calling. And she says, here are the, the little verses. She read them, and then she read this thing. It's from God, and it's on trust and about not being afraid. You can trust me. And at the end, it says, you can trust me because I love you and because I died for you. And she looks at me, and she says, is that talking about Jesus? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I feel like I'm with the Ethiopian eunuch where he's reading the Bible and Philip comes up and says, who's this talking about? And I, from God calling, I just got to speak into it and we got to, we got to pray for Amber and it was just a, a beautiful time and <laughs> she gets, right when we're leaving, she gets a text from her boyfriend and it says, He's, of course, he's been waiting for his coffee all this time. And she gets a text, and it says, I'm going to work out. And she says, well, she looks at me, and she says, God's more important than my boyfriend. <laughs> I'm like, amen, sister. Why did that happen? Why did I go down to the coffee pot at the same time and we have this conversation and one little thing leads to this whole thing? Here's why. It's very simple. God loves people. God loves people whose lives are a mess. God loves people who don't go to church. God, God is after people. People desperately need him. They desperately need a savior and they're wandering around in the dark and God is setting up appointments because he loves people. Before we were done, I made sure to give Amber City Church, and she pulled it up on her phone. And, and so it's, it's possible that Amber's watching this service right now. Hi, Amber. Um, <laughs> Because God is for her, and God loves her, and God wants her to find the treasure. 
of his love and of his goodness. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And uh, I'm going to do a prayer, one, one prayer before the song and, and a different one after the song. But for this first one, would you mind just for a moment closing your eyes and bowing your head? <clears throat> So maybe you feel like you are on a spiritual journey and that somehow in your journey you got, you got here today and here you are in this place. Maybe your life is a mess Maybe somebody around you is in a mess and, and it's got you here. Maybe, maybe you're here and you, you've been marked by that arrogant thing, that spiritual arrogance where I've got all the answers, nobody can ever tell me anything, and, and you realize today that maybe that doesn't smell that good. Well, here's how it works. Revelation 3.20, Jesus himself says this, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. I will come in and I will sup with him, which is the the word for intimacy. Jesus knocks. It is his love knocking. He knocks through difficulty. He knocks through pain. He knocks through beauty. He knocks uh, through nature. He knocks in a thousand different ways, but every one of those knocks is his love. But, 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 But we must respond. We must Open the door. We must. It says there's only one name given among men whereby we must be saved. To be saved, you have to open your door. You have to actually say yes to God. And so if if you're in this place and Jesus has been knocking and he's got you here today and he's knocking, the reason why every head is bowed and eye closed is this is very personal. It's between you and God. The reason why I have people raise their hands is because somebody helped me open my door. I'm forever grateful. So I just like to pray a little prayer to help people open their door and say, God, mark this. I'm opening my door. So if that's you, Jesus is knocking. And today you, you want to open that door. Would you just raise your hand real high right now? Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand and that hand and that hand and that hand and that hand. And that hand, and that hand. God bless you. I'm up on the balcony now. Yep, I see that hand in the back of the balcony. And could we have everybody that raised their hands just put those hands down because I want to give one more chance for anybody that didn't raise their hand. It it takes courage to raise your hand. I realize that. It takes courage to own that I I need Jesus. Listen, God, this is how the kingdom advances. If, If that's you, put that hand up. Be part of this. I'm going to, yeah, I got you, bro. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? I just don't want to rush it. God bless you. All right. Thank you. So if you raised your hand, would you just slip it over your heart right now? And you, you use your own words, but something like this. Pray to God right now. Jesus, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for for taking on human flesh and living among us and living a perfect life and then being the perfect sacrifice, not just for the whole world, but for me. You took my sins. You paid 
the debt that I owed because of sin with your blood. And now I get the gift of eternal life completely for free. Not because I'm good, but because you're good. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for being the center of my life. I ask you not just to be my Savior, but to be my Lord. Take your rightful place. Let my life smell like Jesus. Let me become one of the captives in your train that brings glory and honor to you. Fill me today. Thank you for hearing this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. So the disciples saw Jesus walking on the water and Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. Boldness is not us just, I'm going to get out on this water and God has to save me. That's not, that's presumption. Boldness I think it's bold just to ask Jesus, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And Peter got out of the boat, and here's what I believe is happening in this hour. I believe Jesus is out on that water smiling, and he's waiting for us to say, Lord, Lord, bid me to come. Bid me to come. Listen, come out of my own box that I've made for myself. I, we all make boxes and there are, that are limitations. I can do this and I can't do that and I only do this and somebody else does that. And God wants us to break our boxes down of what we're willing to do or what we could see ourselves doing and he wants to offer those boxes as part of the bonfire that he's making here. He wants to take off all the boxes that we have and say, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. He's not asking you to be me. He's not asking you to be like somebody else. Greg talked really well about that last week. and It's you filled with the Holy Spirit. But God, I don't want to be limited to the box of my past experience. I don't want to be limited to the boat of what I've done or what I, I... I want to be everything that you want me to do. I want to go everywhere that you call me to go, even if I have to walk on water. Just, just, just bid me to come. So this is the dangerous prayer, the prayer for boldness. So if you want me to pray, and if you want to join me in praying for boldness, just close your eyes, open your arms, get ready to receive a gift. They, they just prayed a prayer, and God gave them a gift. So Lord, here we are, 2,000 years after the first church prayed this prayer. And God, we want to pray the prayer. Father, would you give us boldness that your kingdom might advance. Lord, you are speaking to get out of the boat of our comfort. So Lord, we, we, we're breaking down our boxes of, of, that we put on ourselves of how we could be used and what God... My limitations. We break down the limitations. We offer the box to this bonfire and say, God, fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us to the overflowing with your Spirit. Take away our inhibitions that we might be free to do and speak the will and word of God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. More, Lord. Be filled. 
God come. Will of God be done. Divine appointments. Lord, I pray that our delight would be you and that we would not make your work hard, that we would have fun, that we would be so filled. We're just kind of going out and letting the river flow and seeing what happens. Lord, bless us and God, make us a blessing. I pray for us as a church that we would be bold, that we would advance, that we would go forward corporately and individually. And Lord, that we would cheer for each other. We would stir one another up to love and good needs. We would stir one another up to to bold action. Lord, remove any stench of spiritual arrogance. Remove anything that just smells bad, that's just more religion than relationship. Remove it from us, God. Because we want to give off the aroma of Jesus. Fill Madison, fill this region with the aroma of Jesus. Let people be astonished at at the miracles, at, 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 at the beauty and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, we'll be sure that you get all the glory for every good thing that happens. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Woo! So guys, there are no COVID restrictions. Woo! If, if you want to hang around and sing or get prayer or do whatever, go ahead and do whatever you want to do. God bless you. Have a great day.